Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Well, good morning. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here, which is probably pretty good, right? (laughs) It's like I couldn't wait to get here this morning. I'm just excited about all that God's doing, and and I'm so thankful to be a part of this church, part of this family, and so um, and to work with Jim and Will and all you guys are just amazing, and so. Like I can't express how much gratitude I I have for that. How thankful and this church has made me a better, better man, a better pastor, and I'm so thankful for each and every one of you guys. And I I just want you guys to know that. So um, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being so kind and so gracious to us, Father. That that you're always present, you're always there, you're always faithful, you're just, you're our real strength, and I give you the honor for that. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak through me this morning, in the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus, amen. So, um, I am going to preach the gospel this morning. Which is probably pretty good, seeing how we're in church, right? So we're going to go to Exodus. Before I get to Exodus, I want to go in Genesis. You're like, Pastor James, what's the matter with you? We've been in Genesis for all this time, and now you're starting to skip around. It's like, I'm just like squirrel, right? I'm trying to be disciplined, but I'm actually going to start in Genesis, and then we're going to go out, out, out a little bit further. And um, I think I have a video, too, this morning. And so I'm getting really technical, man. I mean, watch out, all the, all these techie guys that invented Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, because I might have some on my sleeve. So I used the video for the message. Woohoo! So I was thinking, and the Holy Spirit's really putting some stuff in my heart. And this week, there's a song that kept popping up in my mind. Have you ever heard this? It's an old old song that sing it when I was in church when I was a kid, and it was like. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles, victory, victory shall be mine. And so I always thought about that. I was like, that's, I knew, I knew, like I grew up, I knew when I had to hold my peace, my mama or my dad, you know, would be like, we're in church, boy, you know, or, or you can't do that, you know, or you can't do that, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hold my peace. And then that song would come in and be like, oh, if I hold my peace, and I thought it just meant I shut up. <laughs> but, like, and and so, so I was like, okay, I'll just shut up. I'll just say here. And in a way, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about let's just be quiet. Like when all hell is breaking loose, what, what do we want to do? Oh, woe is me, agony on you. And then your little dog. Like, like like on Hee Haw, they got this hunting dog that goes, ur, ur, ur. And my, my little chihuahua's, ur, 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 you know. And it don't even have the same effect, right? At least it's an upgrade, right? But woe is me and agony on you, you know. And, and, or we, we get, get ourselves in trouble. 
Like, like, you ever mess up and you got to go talk to your wife? And the more you talk, the more trouble you get yourself into? Am I the only... You guys are laughing because you know I'm right. All you guys are like, yeah, he's right, right? And so, so sometimes it's better just to shut up. Just, you know what? I'm just going to hold my peace. I'm just going to find myself and find where I'm at and, and just stay there. But a lot of times we find that we can talk ourselves out of peace too. Find, talk ourselves out of the peace that passes all understanding. There's a feeling of peace we get, and it comes through our relationship with Jesus and staying present with him. Not worrying about the past or the future and not, not being depressed because something went wrong in the, in the past that we can't change. So we can harvest the good from it, Take the good, throw away the bad, and move on, and then let's get present. And then we can worry. Oh my gosh, like I got all this stuff coming up, and how am I going to deal with it? And what am I going to do? And so we start processing this. And pretty soon, we're not even in the present. We're way out in the future, and we've lost our peace. And we don't know what to do. And then it affects our decisions, because we're thinking, like we're playing chess, and we're thinking that all these moves are here, and we hit here, and then... The, the other chess player goes, king me, man. You want to play like that, you've got to stay present. And so I realize that he's saying, hold your peace. Hold your peace means hang on to your peace. He says, says to lay, we labor to enter the rest. And so that's our work is to stay rest, stay in our peace. Saying, man, it's like, like you guys were preaching this morning already in the song service. You know, about victory and about how God wants to move in our hearts and move in our lives. And if we'll just get to a place where we can hold our peace, then we'll know. But, but I think, um, I know victory's not going to be ours, but it's already ours. The battle's already been won. See, we get a glimpse. Like, like you're saying, yeah, way down the road. No, you have victory Right now, you have victory in a person, and his name's Yeshua. His name's Jesus. He is your victory. And in him, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's good news, right? Because in Greek, I think that word no means no. And so I look back, and I I see um, these guys in the Bible, and I see Abraham. And I see Abraham, actually, before he left, he, he had a life, man. He had this life. We've been studying Abraham, but a lot of us study when God says, I want you to leave your house, leave your family, leave the land you're going to, and go to a place I'm going to show you. But we forget, he had a life. He had a place. He had a family. He had something that was really valuable in all his life. This is all that Abraham knew. This is it. All, all that he knew. And then one day God comes to him and says, Abram, I want you to get up and leave. And I want you to go to a land where I'm going to show you. Now listen, for us, it's scary enough. Because you're like, well, how am I going to make a living? Where am I going to live? You know, um, what's the culture like? What's it like there? Abram, like there was no GPS, man, except the original GPS, and it's the God positioning satellite, right? Telling him, hey, walk here, go here. 
he had to leave everything familiar. Now, where is he going to buy food? There's no Diffie stops. I mean, he can't fill up his camels. Right? And so what is he going to do? He had to literally leave from who he was. He was a somebody. He had a name. He, he had a, a family. He had a place. He had an identity. And a lot of us have identities, too. We were, like at one time I was born here, right? But now I'm, not, I'm in a way different place than where I was born. It's a way different culture than where I was born, too. I was a somebody, but God said, I want you to leave and I want you to go to another place. So I went to another place and in being that, I had to find who I was again. Who am I? And part of who I am never changed, but to find really who you are is bigger than a location. It's bigger than where you're at. And so here, Abram, he, God says, get up, take your family. And you know what? This says a lot about the man. His family trusted him enough to go. I know a lot of guys, if they said that, their wives would say, bye. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, I'm sure you heard from God. That was just the pizza. You know, hold off on, on the pepperoni, dude. Right? But she trusted him. His family, his nephew trusted him. And they went. And they had to trust God's provision, and they had to trust God's wisdom, and they had to trust God to take them where they needed to be. And so I think a lot of times we skim through the scriptures, and then we don't realize really what was going on. This was real life. These are real people. This is real things they're going through. And so we can step back, and like I like to imagine, man, what was he like, and where was he going, and how must that have felt? Hey, I, I'm a somebody, and obviously he was somebody because he had people that come with him. He had to leave something and become nothing. Really, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know who, who was with him or everything was just different. But then God took this somebody who became a nobody. He says, Abram. Just trust me because I'm going to change you from Abram to Abraham. And in me, guess what you're going to do? You're going to find your identity. See, because you think that you're just created for this and this and this, but I got so much greater for you that it's going to blow your mind. So here, here's Abram, and he's like in this spot, and he's going, and he's trusting God, and he was perfect the whole way. He never messed up. Right? No, going along the way. Like, that's what we think. Sometimes we're, we're like going along the way. Well, I got to be perfect and boom, boom, boom. And man, it never works like that for me. Right? So here, here Abram's going down the way and he's making, messing up and making mistakes. But God took a somebody who was willing to become a nobody and he made him the father of many nations. In fact, if it wasn't for him trusting God to leave, not one of us would be here right now. You want to talk about a big decision. Important decision, right? How God can take a somebody, but when we say, you know what? 
I'm going to trust you even if it feels like I'm a nobody. And I'm going to allow you to show me who I really am. Mm -hmm. And it's called surrendering. Surrendering our hearts, surrendering our lives, surrendering our dreams, surrendering our future, surrendering our present. And what this is the hardest thing for a lot of us is surrendering our past. Because we just can't let go. God says, you can't take this with you where you're going. Because it's too big and it's too important. And it's gone. All the good, all the bad. He said, as far as the east is from the west, I've removed your sins. I've removed not just your sins. Let's, re let's forget the good things too. Let's throw that away. Not throw it away. Let's harvest. Remember the good. But let go. Live in where God has you now and look forward because what you went through in the past is not what you're going to go through in the future. God's got great plans for you. Just like, trust me. So here, here, Abram, thank God for Abram trusting God. Thank God that he took the faith and stepped where God wanted him to, right? Because then he makes a covenant with God. We've been talking about that, right? So then he has a, some son, a son named Isaac, right? Actually has another son too. We'll talk about that. Not that it's bad, but the reason I'm saying Isaac is because Isaac had a couple of other sons, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob had a son named Joseph, right? See, Joseph wasn't just ordinary. Like, like his dad's like, hey, they're going like, we're going to go dig fence posts, dad. We're, we're going to go, go um, clean the stalls. We're going to go do this. And, and he's like, hey, Joseph, come here. He's like, that's for them boys. You come here. You're special. You're somebody. I've got something great for you. Just, just come. God's got something bigger. Like, look at this coat, man. It's like, like man, I got this at the mall, and it, and it wasn't even on sale. This is like the top notch of the top notch, man. It's like, I don't even know what you'd call a top notch jacket, because, like, I have, like, Wrangler, you know, which I think is top notch. You could, you could, that's a, a, a plug for you, Wrangler. I should get paid for that, right? But here he gets him this jacket, and he's got this jacket, and as he get, gets this jacket... Like, like, it's saying, you're something special. And then he's starting to have dreams, and he's starting to tell his brothers about these dreams. So here, here is Joseph. And Joseph, Joseph was a somebody, man. He just wasn't a somebody. He was favored by his father a lot. And then one day, his brothers got tired of it. And they said, guess what, Joseph? You're not a somebody anymore. Because we're going to kill, kill you. And then one of his brothers says, Nah, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. That's way better. And so they sold him into slavery. And not only did he lose who he was, he lost his father. He was betrayed by his brothers. He had left a place where he had had a great life and a great home. And he's like, like living the high life, man. And now he's in a pit. And now he's in prison. And then he goes from prison 
to to um, servants or he come, becomes a slave, and then from the slave he goes to prison. Like he goes from bad to worse. He started out as a somebody, and then became a nobody. Like really on the bottom rung. Then in one day, God took him from the pit to the palace. See, a lot of us think that there's got to take God a long time. And sometimes you're like, you, people look at the miracle and see, see God do something great in your life. And you say, well, that was quick. And you're like, well, you didn't live my life. <laughs> you have no idea what I went through. You know how, have no idea how hard it was. You now have, have no idea how it struggled. But one day of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. In one day, God can change your life. One day. So here's Joseph. He gets promoted because of a dream. Has God given you a dream? What is that dream? What is that vision that God's given you is the very thing that he wants to promote in your life? He says, I want to do great things in your heart and your life. So we get, get Joseph. He becomes a second in charge, man. He's living high, right? He's doing great. And then something happens. <clears throat> right? Years go by. Pharaoh dies. And they forget about all these Israelites as these brothers. He, he redeemed his family, too. See, here's Joseph. He, he was sent. He thought he was going into slavery. But God used him to redeem his family. And when his, his brothers come and they saw him, they weep. And this is the story of Jesus, too, by the way. When you look at Joseph's life, you'll see a real picture of Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus done for us. But I can't, I can't tarry on, on Joseph. I like that word. I just learned it this week. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I think it was just, I have a cousin named Terry. I just think, like, hey, I'm going to use that in a sentence because for you, Terry. Probably won't watch this, but for you anyway. Right? So here is a picture of Jesus and what Jesus done and who Jesus is, right? And so, anyway, so here he is. <clears throat> he becomes the greatest, and then they forget about him. Now they forgot about him, and they're in slavery. They're in slavery for 400 years. Now think about that. 400 years they're in slavery. Till one day there's a man. His name was Moses, right? Now, Moses was born as a slave. And, and the Pharaoh says, you know something? I'm going to come and I'm going to slaughter all the firstborn. You know, it's like kind of symbolic. And, well, not symbolic, but kind of a foreshadow of what they did before Jesus was born, too. Remember how Herod went and had all the babies killed? It's funny how the Bible kind of goes together. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. Right? So anyway, he's going to kill all the babies. So they put Moses in, a, in this basket and send him down. And he gets to be with the, with the Pharaoh's daughter, man. And he's raised in the palace by the Pharaoh's daughter. Now watch this. As he's raised in the, in the palace by the Pharaoh's daughter, guess what Moses gets to become? He gets to become a somebody, man. He was a somebody. He wasn't just somebody. He was 
he was a royal man. Like, like they had, like, you ever see all the pictures of, like, the Queen of of England and all of her, her grandkids and everything else? Man, they're a royal, man. Look at them. They're taking pictures. Click, 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 click. That's what he had. He had the, he had the paparazzi following him all over the place. You know, and he's getting a lot of bad press sometimes, but he is living the high life, man. He is a royal, man. He, he, he was special. He was a somebody. Till one day he realized... He knew who he really was. And he saw him hurting a Hebrew slave. And so he kills this guy. And now he went from a royal, from a somebody, to nobody. For 40 years, he goes and he's in the desert. For 40 years. For 40 years of his life, he's a somebody. The next 40 years of his life, He's a nobody, man. His sheep barely know his name. Because they kept calling him Baha, Baha. Right? I thought that was funny. Right? So here he is. Forty years, he's a nobody. And then one day something changes. It talks about here in Exodus chapter chapter 2, actually, verse 21, it starts out with, Moses getting married. He marries this. He finds this um, dude in Midian, who who really likes him. And he he was um, had a TV show on the, called um, the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> His name was Jethro. Right? No, I'm making that up. But anyway, so he meets Jethro, marries his daughter. Jethro kind of took him in, and then it's it starts at the end of, of Exodus chapter two. Verse, verse 21 says, Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in mar- marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. Now, this says a lot about where Moses was at, right? See, where I grew up is a little different culture. Than here and there's a few times I feel like an alien here, man. Actually, I feel like I'm from outer space, <laughs> right? When where I was from, I knew I had I knew who I was. I knew kind of what what to do. I knew what the culture is like. But then you move to a different place and you don't. It's totally different. And here he it bugged him so much. It was such an impact on his life. That's what he named his kid. Now think about this. It was such an impact on his life that he ended up naming his kid I Become an Alien in a Foreign Land. I mean, come on. Can't you think of a better name? I mean, this kid had to grow up with that, right? But then the Bible goes on. It just glances over. Do you ever see how the Bible just glances over some things? And then we're like, a lot of times we're so fast to just go, whew. And we just go whew, right through it instead of pausing for a minute. That was quick. Or they named their kid something. Wait a second. Why did they name their kid something? Right? For most of us, we just take a, the kid book and flip it around and go, oop, that's one, right? <laughs> or now it's Google probably. But there was some, it's trying to tell us something about Moses. 
Then during that period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. He's like, man, I've, I've got a covenant with Abraham. Can you imagine God told Abraham before this ever happened, when he made the covenant, this is what's going to happen. But he said, I'm going to remember my covenant. We have a good and gracious father. All those years he is sitting there watching him go through this and this and this. What about the folks that have been in it that never saw the freedom? God heard their cries. He heard their hearts. How about when we're hurting so bad and we're going through so much and we're like, God, do you not hear me? And God's like, I know. And I can't wait to see you see the other side. Something's going to happen greater than you could ever dream of or that you could ever imagine if you'll just trust me. I got something great for you. So here he is. He's like, so God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned. He's like, I'm I care. I know you're there. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bur- from within a burning bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, hey, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. He's a brave dude, man. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Okay, time out. You're wandering in the desert. You're taking care of your sheep. And then this bush is on fire and it's not burning. So you walk over to it and it talks to you. Okay, let me say this one more time. You're just minding your own business, taking care of your sheep. This bush pops on fire. Now, where I come from, it's really dry. When you see something pop on fire... There's a lot of other stuff that's getting ready to pop on fire. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not something you're just casual about. So what caught his attention? Wait a second. This is on fire and it's burning and nothing, none of the other brush was going on. And he walks over there. Hey, Abe, how you doing, buddy? Or hey, hey, Moshi, how you doing, buddy? He's like, here I am. It's like, I'm doing great, man. Like, wow, what a response. But there's something in his response, too. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush Moses, Moses. When he saw that he had gone over to look, see, God's got some burning bushes in our lives. And God, we're going over to look, and then God's saying, yeah, Moses, Moses. And then we're like, here I am. He's like, you got it. 
Now you got it, buddy. Do not come any closer, man, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abram, Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. But he saw how holy he was. He's like, oh, man, I've heard about you my whole, whole life. Can you imagine? He probably thought about it. Walking through the desert all those years. Man, what about these promises that you gave to your people? And now they're still slaves and they're still hurt and they're still going through stuff. What about this? Where are you at? And then the bush catches fire and he's, he goes to it and it calls out to him and he goes, here I am. And he says, who are you? And he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned. Two things standing out. He says, I have seen their misery. I have heard them crying out. Scientists say when you're in these emotional, I don't know what they call these people. I know what their professional name is. I don't know if they're psychologists or head shrinks or motivational speakers or whatever they are. No offense if you're one of them. But they talk about what to get real intimate with people, they need to be seen, heard, felt, and know that you got them. I started doing that stuff with the horses, too. And those horses know. Like, like a horse knows when you know, and the horse knows when you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? But I started putting some of these principles to work, and then I'm looking like, wait a second. When was this book written? How, how long ago was this written? And now look, God was already knowing what you guys think is, is like new stuff. Right? He's saying, I am the God of your Father, but he's saying, I see you. I hear you. I feel, I, I feel what you're feeling, and I get what you're going through. Now let's do something about it. He says, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. 
ever think you're like all alone? You're like, okay, God, you told me to do this, but who's going to go help me? And he's like, I'll be with you. He's like, okay, that's nice, God. <laughs> I appreciate this. I appreciate that you're with me. But really, who's, who's going to go with me, dude? Like, am I the only one who's ever done that? He's like, I'm with you, bud, because I'm all you'll ever need. And this will be a sign to you that it is I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, okay, what is the name? What's your name, bro? Dude? Father? What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, Say to your Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So this is who he's like, Here I am. See, Moses said at first, he said, he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. He said, what's your name? And he said, I am. He said, I'm not, I was, or I'm going to be, but I am. I'm the ever-present help in the time of trouble. We know if we'll just trust him, he will take us from a nobody To somebody and into our destiny from a somebody to a nobody and we'll find out who we really are because he's the great I am sometimes we think well there's stuff in my life that separated me from him and I don't know how to get away or this ain't ain't good and I just wanted to play a video because there's something that that um, you need to know about what what separates you from from God okay Hey, Ed. Hey, Tommy. Ready for the Bible study? Yeah. Did you do the homework for the Bible study? Yes. So, Tommy, look at me. Uh-huh. You answered all the questions for Romans 8, 38, and 39. Yes. Tommy. Mostly. Mostly. Well, the answer to the last question is not in the Bible. The answer to the last question, what can separate you from the love of God? It's in there. It's not in there. Yes, it is. Not in it's there. in there. It's no, in it's there. Not. I, no, it's not. I would not give you questions. It's not in there. No, it's not. No, it's not. Show me, Bible boy. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are your ears open? Because yeah. here it is. Are oh, you yeah. ready? Can Bro, you handle this? Can you handle yes. this? I think I deserve it. I don't think you can handle it. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Get ready. Here it is. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it doesn't say. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It says nothing. Exactly. Yeah, you proved me right. No, you proved me right. Wait, what? Yeah, the something that you're looking for is nothing. Huh? Something is nothing. No, something is something. Something is nothing. No, nothing is nothing. Nothing is something. No, nothing is nothing and something is something. But something can't be nothing and nothing can't be something. But in here it is and it can. (laughs) 
So you just want me to go in there and say nothing. Yes. Just be like, nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and the specific nothing mm-hmm. is neither and nor. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Neither nor. Nothing. <laughs> yes. Nothing, neither nor. Nothing, nor, neither, nothing, neither, nothing, nor. <laughs> so I'll just go in there and not say anything. No, I want you to say something. Then what is that something? Nothing. Oh, I want to hit you. What? Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. 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 Yeah, but you don't know my nothing. Doesn't matter what your nothing is. No. No, your nothing is nothing. My nothing is something. I've got a past. Just last night. Doesn't matter what you did last night or what you did five years ago. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. See, they thought they were nothing. God said, you're somebody. You're someone so special that there's nothing that's going to separate you from my love and my plans for you so we can trust you. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for loving us so much. And we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.